I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors, by actors, brought to you by Working Actor Pro. Oh boy, yes, baby, let's go, let's do this, here we go. Go ahead, Adam, fire away. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Before the Break. This week we have another really special episode as we're continuing our series of industry professionals. This week we are joined by not only a senior agent, but the owner of DGRW Talent Agency here in New York City. DGRW is a boutique agency that represents talent in theater, film, and television. Please welcome to the show, Matt Redmond. Hi, Matt. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Hello, Matt. Thank Welcome. You for joining us. Good of you to be here. We um we have a uh, you know usually we're interviewing actors who have broken through. We talk about the tenure and their progress bar and their evolution and and before things were sticky and after their victory. And today we're talking to to an agent, to a wonderful agent, <laughs> uh, dr uh, dgrw. Um, we would love to hear about your experience with your actors, hear your advice on what works, what doesn't. It's just this other perspective that I know a lot of actors are going to appreciate. So so thanks again for being here. Of course. So let's start. Um, you, you were in the New York market right now. Has that always been your market? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm from, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Where? St. Louis, Missouri. Lovely. <laughs> yes. Missouri boy, just down on the farm. I'm basically. <laughs> and then I went, I went to school in Oklahoma. So I went even further down. <laughs> further into the forest. <laughs> I Amazing. <know. laughs> but I mean, you, you know, you're going to school, you're, you're, you're exactly. around so many people who are in your, the same boat. They're just trying to learn what they need to learn and get out there. So the agency, being an agent was the thing that you were kind of gunning for, but did you have the background of acting as well? Yeah. So I actually majored in acting in college, but okay, kind great. of always knew it would be my sort of uh, gateway to something else in the business. But right. Do, you, do, do agents tend to um, have, I know tons of agents start out as actors, but in your circle, the people that you go out for drinks with, you talk to, were they actors before as well? Most of them were. Um, a lot of the agents that are more like my age or in, in my age group, all sort of started immediately doing some sort of internships in um, in casting or agenting or producing. I do feel right. like the um, the older generation of agents all really had like heavily committed acting careers before being agents. Mm -hmm. But I think because my generation has come up in a time with a lot of internships and like apprenticeships and. Uh, more access to the other side of the table. I do feel yeah. like a lot of agents in my generation didn't have as much committed acting careers before becoming an before yeah. becoming agents. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm I'm sure though having that experience when it comes to say a self tape coming across your 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 table and you need to maybe make a couple of notes for an actor that might be new to the business or something. It definitely helps. I'm sure to have that. Um, that knowledge and like, you know, right now I, I know someone who is uh, kind of finagling their reels, what to send to a final, final, final callback because they're wanting to see a little more. And 
maybe an act, an agent with an acting background knows the kind of stronger scene that we should be shooting for and maybe taking something out that doesn't have a good, strong supporting character in it with the actor. You know, those little things that you as an actor would know. Um, I'm sure it helps you as an agent, no? Definitely, yeah. And I, I also minored in directing in college and pursued a little directing after college. Um, I was back in St. Louis, Missouri, working at the Muni after I graduated, and I assistant directed a few shows there before I moved nice. to New York. So I think I definitely have a. I dabbled in a lot of things before getting to agenting, but always knew. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely knew agenting would be kind of where I would end, but I didn't really know that that it was agenting all of these things that I did and all of these skills I developed. And I, I always tell people like I did so many things that I was just not good at. Like I was just not good or maybe I was like, okay at it, but I really didn't like it. Right. And I remember in my job interview at DGRW with the owner um, at the time, Jim Wilhelm, who's the W of DGRW, he was talking, mm-hmm. why do you want to be an agent, et cetera, et cetera. Or at the time, an assistant, you know, why do you want to work at an agency? And, I was like, because everything else I'm not good at. I like said that. I was like, I. He's like, I was, he's honest. Great. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm not, I have not been good at these things, but I was like, but I think I can be good at this. But and that's then, great. Cause you're, you're, you're trying all these things and you need to figure out, you might have five things that you're good at. You need to try 20 in order to find those five. Exactly. Things, right? Exactly. And then like six months, he hired me, thank God. And then like six months in, I went, wow. I was like, I, I figured it out. Like, I'm good at this. Like, we're good. You know, like I can do more now. Let me, you know, we're good. And what's good, Matt? What makes it (laughs) jive with you? You know, we're eventually going to get into the goods and bads, the do's and don'ts and all that stuff. But first, I just want to ask, like, what about what what makes a good agent? There are a lot of actors who are going to go through our agent genie and send their stuff out to a bunch of agents and they're going to have 10 or 12 meetings. Um, And a couple of their questions, not only is it, you know, how do I win the room and how do I get it? It's how one of their questions is how do I decipher between five agents that seem great? Yeah, honestly, uh, that's really hard to do from just a a meeting or two. And Mm. because I, I like to think that, you know, there's not a lot of bad agents in this business. There are agents that are maybe better than others or stronger than others or more committed than others or have different connections than others. But because of like what it takes to be an agent, as far as from a logistical standpoint, the fact that it's not always the most redeeming job financially, like I think that there's not a lot of, if any, just straight up bad agents in this business. I know a couple, but but you're right. (laughs) But I've had had a doozy or two. But yeah, you're right. There's it's it's very hard to be straight up bad at this job because anyone who was straight up bad at this job would just not do it because Mm. it's not redeeming at all in many ways. In some ways, it's very fulfilling and and emotionally redeeming because of the successes we get to see. But overall, I mean. We, you know, we were the ones like begging for tickets to get into opening night to see our clients. We're the ones who are begging producers to just pay us our fucking commission, even though they're right. paying our actors every week. Why do I, why does our commission come every four weeks? You know, like we're, there's not a lot, <laughs> there's not a lot redeeming about this job to like, that's worth it to sit around and be bad at it. Glam- <laughs> like, glamorous right. is yeah. probably not synonymous there, with your side, right? There, there can be very <laughs> glamorous moments, right? But 
uh, overall, it's not the most glamorous job, but like, I love it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. And what do you love about it? Holy, like, what do you really love about it? Yeah. I mean, I spend every day trying to make people happy at the end of the day, you know, I hopefully (laughs) that, or we're getting on the path there. And I I just think that's so cool. And, you know, I also think at the end of the day and, you know, in an hour conversation, you'll probably hear me say this a couple of times, like, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do anything else. I wouldn't want to do anything else, but we're also not curing cancer. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not, it's not brain surgery, you know? So at the end of the day, no matter how much I love this and wouldn't do anything else for me, it's, I get heated at times. I get intense at times. I get passionate at times, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get people in wicked. I'm just trying to like, (laughs) I'm just trying to like, get people on in Les Mis like right that's that's what we're doing and if I have to call someone and say I'm so sorry you didn't get the job there is another agent calling their client to say you got the job right and so me telling someone you you know you didn't get this is me saying but somebody else did somebody else had a win and And then you also get to call them and say you got it exactly and then the next time the messenger and the next time they'll be the win you know so I think you know, having so many, I have a wide array of clients on very different paths. You know, I have clients that will pass on auditions that clients that other clients will die to get in for because everyone has different yeah. dreams, different goals, different paths. And I think that you're different really cool. rungs of your career. hundred percent, hundred percent. But, you know, I think that to be a good agent, I mean, the most important thing is you have to care. I mean, if you don't, if you don't care, then there, nothing will get done. Nothing will get done. And that's why, like, I, I really do believe it's, there's not a lot of just terribly bad agents in this business mm. because the first thing you need to do is care about it. If you don't, if you don't care, nothing will get done. And I and, think maybe the, the care for you also has been watered by your interest in the arts and your experience as an actor, as a director, I think if you were just business commercial, business commercial, you're just going to, you're just going to um, run out of steam. And Absolutely. the fact that you're connected artistically to it definitely yeah. helps. So, you know, for, for those actors who are in between agents, one seems very business and the other might be a little bit more artistically open. That might yeah. be something that could be favorable for your situation. If that's exactly. And some people want the business end of things because, right. you know, we've, we've seen it before. And right. I, when you, when an actor is picking an agent, it's all about the vibes. It's all about if you mesh with them the same way when we're picking clients, you know, I think we're at the point in it's my dating. office, it, 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 we always say that it's like, it's like a first date. It's two entities yep. coming together because there's some sort of mutual interest to see if they can potentially commit to something together. And but nobody know. goes home with the other person. Exactly. That's the only difference, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, we have tons and tons and tons of questions, but DGRW, for those who do not know, there's so many shows that they've, that their clients have booked book of Mormon, war horse, Annie, Avita, mama Mia, wicked. Of course, like we just mentioned white collar, good wife, the client list, um, Twilight, Breaking Dawn, they came together, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, so like on and on and on. So many, so many shows. So you guys have obviously a lot of talented actors. How many (laughs) do you have on your roster and how many do you personally have in your little pool? Yeah, absolutely. So our roster has just under 250 active working clients. Um, We have uh, 
how many people? Me, uh, my uh, other senior agent, Kat Hargrave, mm. our junior agent, Caitlin Schreiner, our assistant, Nia Frazier. And then I don't know when this is going to air, but starting Monday next week, we will have a new employee. Um, so by the time this gets out, <laughs> I can, I, all of my clients will know that they have a new associate agent. Hey, how about that? Tucker Stampin is joining us. Um, so we share all of our clients together. We uh-huh. don't do Great. like a, we don't do a point person system. Um, our point person system is on the back end with the casting directors. So we all represent all of our clients together, which is how we're, you know, able to successfully maintain about 250 clients. Right. And yeah. then we break up the work on the back end. So I handle a majority of the theater for us with a little right. bit of film and television. Um, Kat Hargrave handles most of the film and television with a little bit of the theater. And then Caitlin Schreiner, our junior agent, handles a little bit of both, but a little bit more of film and TV. And then our new associate, Tucker, is going to be covering a lot of theater with me. So basically, when a breakdown goes out, if Tara Rubin is looking for people for Dear Evan Hansen, that's something I cover. So like, right. I will handle the full submission of who I want to submit for that. When the appointments come out, you know, me or our assistant are sending those appointments out and facilitating it all. And then I'm negotiating those contracts. If... Jonathan Strauss is casting an episode of SVU, Cat handles that, and mm-hmm. so on and so yeah. on. So we really get to know all of our clients together, and it really helps build a major team atmosphere so our clients feel very supported by a full team. Mm. And then we can individually connect with them whenever we want, but specifically depending on the deal we're doing. Right. And, and each agency is different. Different levels. They have different clients. Um you can speak specifically to yours or you can just speak generally, but uh, usually what is the kind of the spectrum of a, of a, of an average agency in terms of talent and development. And then you've got your actors who are series regulars. Um, How do you split that up? What's the percentage do you think that you're allowing kind of new people in or maybe less experienced? Yeah, absolutely. That, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I don't know if, there's necessarily any uh, formula for it, but I will say like something I'm really proud of for us is what a wide range of clients we do have. I mean, we have a current sophomore in college who's about to join a Broadway show all the way wow. up to oh my God. Um, a client who's been with the agency since it started 35 years ago. We have a handful of those clients that are, you know, doing very exceptional Broadway work, series, regular work, film work mm-hmm. and everything in between, you know, we have people wow. starring on Broadway, starring in plays, starring on national tours and the ensemble of tours and Broadway and series regulars and recurrings. You know, we kind of have it all, which I think is something I am very, very proud of in that we can't we aren't really pinned as, you know, the leading player agency, the ensemble agency, the dance agency, the whatever agency. We really do have it all. I think what's important to me is being pinned as the place that has good good, nice people, (laughs) because um, that's the most important always, but especially after the last two years, is that everyone working right now is really nice and kind and easy to get along with. Because if you know, if you're in the if you have booked the job, you have some level of talent, talent is so subjective. You know, what what I when I see a show, and I don't think someone's great in a role, that doesn't mean they're not great. It just means someone else thought they were great the same way. I can see someone and say, wow, they were amazing. And someone else is like, God, they were dreadful. And like, because it's also subjective. So like you, you get in the room because someone thinks you're talented. No one, no one, 
nobody gets in a room just because they're famous or because they have a hundred thousand Instagram followers or because whatever. Will those be factors in it sometimes? Of course, can't deny that. But no one who's not capable of doing the job in some way, shape, or form gets the job. Mm. I mean, I'll I'll just speak to it while I'm on this train. Like I saw Pamela Anderson in Chicago. She is not doing what a traditional Broadway star would do as Roxy Hart at all in any way. But when I tell you that audience was so there for her, the audience was just, I've never seen an audience root for someone harder. So she did the job. Oh my God. Yeah. The audience was going nuts for her. She is not giving a a BFA MT Roxy Hart in, in any shape or form. Right. that, That audience was so on her side. So, you know, I'm of the belief that like, if someone wants you in a room, you're going to get in there. It's just yeah. our job to make sure that we are putting good people into those rooms and trying to get nice people into those rooms. Right, because right. That's what I would like us to be known for, at least. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, you can't be you can be an asshole for only so long in this business. I mean, there's just no oxygen in the room for people who don't treat others right. You know, we're on set. It's just like another job. You're with people for eight, 10 hours a day and you got to be a good person. And and that is the first thing that you're probably thinking about in a meeting with a potential um, actor that you that you're going to sign. So a lot of our, our audience are they're new actors. They're probably either just fresh out of out of their uh, conventional schooling getting into the market. Um, a lot of the actors are maybe in their first five years and they're shopping for an agent or they're maybe transitioning to somebody a little bit bigger. So the question that I do want to ask is in those meetings, when you're taking them, um, it's just you and the actor and they sent you all this stuff and now it's time for you to meet this person. So what, what are you looking for? Um, what seems favorable to you when that Zoom video clicks on and your conversation that lasts, say, 20, 30 minutes goes into effect, what are you looking for? What do you like seeing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I I think that I'm my office is at a point where we don't take a meeting with anyone if we don't one think they're talented from their materials or right. two like think we could plausibly like take them on as an actor. We use that meeting to decide do we do we mesh as humans? Do our goals align? Like, do we get along? You know, so a big thing for us is just feeling out personality and also um, making making sure that we're on the same page about the type of work we we want for them. We can provide for them that they want. You know, a big thing is we always say, ask people like, what are your dream roles? What shows do you want to be in right now? What 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 TV shows do you want to go in for, et cetera? Like we've. We Listen up now, actors, of, yeah. because these we, are questions <laughs> that, you know, an employer is going to ask. I mean, really, this is like, so they're asking you, so what are your, what are your strong goals or what are your strong suits? Um, what do you think you're wicked? You know, these are questions that you hear across the table from a potential um, employer. And it's these questions that you're going to be asking that the actor should have the answer for. And we did just, like talked, we about just talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. In an episode pressure, just before. Photographer. Right. And it's like specificity is so important. Oh it's, yeah. You don't just go in for headshots and go, well, take my picture. It's like, well, what shows do you want to go out for? Like, what are you trying? What rooms are you trying to get into? Let's kind of match the world and the mood of those so that you can get called in for those things. And as an actor, it's good to already have that in your brain. So when you go, you know, what shows or what, you know, 
cards. You already have a Rolodex of like, these are the things that I would be perfect for and not like, well, I just want yeah. to, you know, it's not. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's just different depending on who you are. You know, when I meet with a kid coming out of showcases or as I've, for some reason done in the past couple of years, a couple that are still in school, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the expectation that they know everything about the business and that they even know casting directors or that they even know, you know, those things. If, if I'm meeting a college student or a showcase student who knows those things, it's kind of a positive. It's like, Oh, you're, you pay attention, you've studied, et cetera. If I meet someone who's lived in New York for five, 10, 15 years, and they don't know what casting directors they've been in for or, or who some of the casting directors are, that to me is like, do you take this seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know? So it's the meetings are also like, it really depends on who the actor is and what they have to, to bring to the table. I, I mean, I recently met an, uh, a performer who is younger and was just kind of starting out, but had a couple decent credits and um, the meeting was quite dull. The, it was just, it was very, it was very low energy it it's they seemed very out of place they seemed very nervous mm. they just couldn't communicate well and it, hmm. it just wasn't for us we and what are very... you doing that you're you're putting that person in a position where they're in telsey they're in uh they're in a room where are they going to act like that at the reading are they going to act like exactly. that in the first audition exactly. right exactly that that meeting for us i mean we're getting we're the same way that like it's hard for an actor after a round of meetings to know who the best agent is. It's, it's hard for us to know like what will they do exactly in the room, but we can get a pretty good feel for it from the meeting. I mean, that's the other thing that like the same way that this sounds a little cheesy, but the same way that actors are just supposed to be good actors and know how to sing if they're in musical theater and know how to dance if they want to dance. Like, we have to know how to assess people. It's just kind of an instinct for us. Yeah. Like totally. we, when people are like, you know, how do you, how do you do that? Or how does this, I'm like, it's just like, it's why I'm an agent. It's because that's one of my skills. It's one of my talents that should Another be. Another sense. I think Matt, yeah. like, same with casting directors have that too, but you have that quick judgment, lightning yeah. speed, uh, ability to download this yeah. person with whatever information you're getting in that moment. And, and that is a talent. That really is a talent. Not a lot of people, not everybody has that. Exactly. And it's why a lot of agents have it. And we just kind of do it the same way. Like when an actor gets an audition, you just kind of do it because it's your skill and it's what you're good at. So, Mm. yeah. yeah. Um, Now, you know, there are actors who kind of uh, maybe early on um, and they're in school or they're entering school and they have the pressure of a prestigious school that that actors are in that they are not enrolled in they are going to a regular four-year they're majoring in theater or acting and they're doing their workshops outside of college they didn't go to juilliard they didn't go to michigan or or cincinnati or whatever when you have somebody across the table from you without a prestigious degree um and I'm, I know the answer here, but I want to I want to get the information out. But what does that mean to you? Is it is it concrete? Is training and where you went important or is the person in front of you and what you're seeing more important? Do you see a pattern really is the question I'm asking? Do you see the pattern of prestigious schooling and the success of the meeting or does it just live independent and is totally dependent on the person? 
That's a good question. I really want to say that it's 100% dependent on the person, but the reality is it's not. Mm. Um, and I'm not, that is not me saying that you have to go to a good school to to succeed because that's... Or, it's a factor. It can be a factor. There's a reason what why is, it's prestigious though, I suppose, eh? Yes. And I think that um, something that's so important that some of the prestigious schools do very, very well and some don't. And some of the very small schools that maybe the three of us have never even heard of have done well and some don't is that the schools and students that do well are the schools that really put a heavy focus on uh, two things. One, bringing um, industry connections in to talk to the students. And two, uh, talking about, on the flip side of that, being a human being and taking care of your mental health. Those are the two things that I have, when I talk to students or when I ask them about their schooling, if those things are brought up or if I see like, you know, master classes and things with industry professionals on their resume, those people tend to stand out a lot. Um, what do you mean about mental health? Talk about that. Yeah. Because, you know, we are, as an actor, it's just you. It's you and your ship and all the fucking treacherous waters that are out there. And really, there is no one else. There yeah. could be your agent, but the agent can come and go. It could be your family, but they're <laughs> all the way back home. Yeah. It's only you throughout this whole thing. And we are at the mercy of the, our environment and how best we deal with it. We're juggling jobs. We're juggling calls that say you lost the six-figure thing on to the next one. The mental health is probably the biggest roadblock with Absolutely. actors. So what There's... have you seen that that is favorable and unfavorable with actors yeah. and how best they can take care of themselves? There's a lot of college programs right now that are honestly the biggest thing is they're even just talking about it. They're hmm. just even talking about taking care of yourself and acknowledging that mental health is something that needs to be taken care of. We never is like is like theater huge. school is fucking intense. It's like, intense and it's that I saw at Circle in the Square. It's like the things that some of the students or the professors would make the students go through is unhealthy. Absolutely. And then they're just a wreck and it's like, great, class is over. And you're like, yeah, I just had to like process something I may not have like delved into since childhood. And we're all going, uh, yeah. What? Are well, you okay? Especially and no like, one checks in. No one does. And especially in musical theater programs, like you are you are taught to like leave your shit at the door, come in, smile and belt, and then leave. Like there, you're not totally. taught to like be a human being that has thoughts and feelings and emotions. They're like these schools, I would say, you know, seven plus years ago, we're just trying to, you know create and breed people to go to Broadway and that's it. And, and it almost, like, almost takes away, it, it it forces them to be submissive in the, in the, the, the audition in on the stage. It's you're submitting yourself and your own truth. But if you had that knowledge, like take care of yourself, if you have an opinion, then exactly. you can express it, be an independent person. You know? Exactly. I know, I know it's a very like taboo phrase these days, but like, a safe space is very important. And I think a lot of colleges don't create safe spaces. 
And I have noticed that the colleges that I have visited, if they do or don't, or the ones that I've talked to about students, because like, or talk to students from, because, you know, when I take a meeting with a student, you know, it's a very free and open space. And some students are like, I had the best four years at wherever. It was so great. Lala. And some are like, I can't fucking wait to get out of here. This was miserable. I'm a mess because of this place, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And that's unfortunate. And that's really, really sad. But I have noticed that students that felt safe spaces in college and felt free to exist and be a human and like had environments from teachers and administrators that were like where they were comfortable enough to say like, I need a day off because of this or like, I can't be in a show this semester because of this. Like those environments have created some very successful students, if not people that at least gave a very successful meeting with me. Um, I will call a university out right now in a good way. I am so consistently impressed by the Texas State Musical Theater Program. Caitlin Hopkins, I think, is running that program. And every meeting I've ever taken has been really, really special. These kids are so taken care of. I hate that I just called them kids. They're like six years younger than me. Like they're so, (laughs) there's, but they're so calm and just, it's clear that they have been, not coddled but cared for because that's another thing is there's coddling in these programs where it's like these people come out here and they're like so bright-eyed and they're like i just can't wait to be on broadway tomorrow (laughs) like blah blah blah. i'm like who's been talking to you like i'm so happy that you're like optimistic and driven but i'm like do you think it's just gonna happen because that's it yes, might. It, they it does, all do. But, they all think it's just you know, going to happen, Matt. They really do. I know, it is. It's well, I had the most incredible showcase, so, you know, exactly. New York, it's like not downhill from here. Exactly. But that's, and that's right. what I, when I've worked with some high schoolers before, I always say, like, because they always ask, like, does going to Michigan matter if I go to Michigan versus, like, my state school or, you know, whatever. And, like, what I tell them is, like, going to University of Michigan is not necessarily what's going to, like, put you ahead. The fact that University of Michigan has a lot of industry connections is what's important about the University of Michigan. So I always tell people or high schoolers when they're visiting colleges and applying and auditioning, I always say you are fully within your right to ask, what is your connection to the current market? You know, who are you bringing in? Because like, I can't tell you how many random schools that I have been zoomed into in the last two years or some brought out in person to that schools that were not on my radar at all, but those schools are making an effort to bring in agents and casting directors to their university. That is a really, really good and important thing because so many programs, whether it's the quote, you know, best or worst or whatever, a lot of them just say like, you have to do showcase and go get an agent, but no one tells them like, how do you take a meeting? How do you, once you get an agent, how does that relationship work? How does, you know, how does all that work? And it's truly just as simple as getting one of us to zoom in or come in and just tell them. And like, that's how that those kids that have had someone, not just me or any agent or any casting director that just talk to them and say, this is how it works. Those kids know something now that they didn't know. They know something that the other university that didn't care to bring in an agent for 60 minutes, they don't know now. Do you think that that schools, and I'm talking about conventional academia, like four-year schools with theater programs, Mm -hmm. do you think that they are a little hesitant to bring in people from the outside um, into their structured, syllabus-driven environment? Yes, 100%. 
Isn't that why I just sent an email, Matt, to 130 <laughs> colleges to say, hey, essentially, you know, your students are graduating. It's up to their success to reflect the success of your department. So if your students, your alumni are not booking, I think it would benefit you to have somebody from the industry come in and for 60 minutes do a Zoom where they ask any questions. Yeah. One person got back. One person wow. got back and they said, um, we have working professionals teaching. I looked them up. They're not working professionals. They're teachers. Yeah. They're professors. I said, well, that's wonderful. So your, your students are, are booking. And she goes, we have a lot of students on big shows. They have no alumni on big yeah. shows. I, I, I'm looking at their stuff. They have none. What, what is stopping them? Is it ego that's stopping them from saying, uh, let's get some answers from the outside here? It's 100% ego. It's 100% ego because... Or people who live in the market who can tell you what LA is like or tell you what Chicago or New York City is. And these exactly. kids are spending $30,000 at them. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it is crazy. And I think I think that's what that i mean it's ego it's also like worried that the industry is going or an, in, an industry professional is going to say something to their students that contradicts something at yeah. the university and honestly yeah. like maybe i'm giving universities too much credit here but i don't some very much ego driven some do not want to hear other opinions absolutely and that's just selfish and bad mm. some i think d are scared of other opinions because they are scared of Oh shit, we haven't been teaching our students this. They have paid thirty to forty thousand dollars here, and we haven't told them that, or we've told them otherwise. It's not necessarily that they don't want to hear it because they think they're right. I think some of them are afraid to be wrong. Yeah. Go to commercial. Boom. <laughs> Working actors deserve affordable and convenient coaching. That's why we created Book It, America's fastest growing one-on-one -on -one remote acting coach service. All from your device. We're not just coaches, we're working actors too. From Broadway and voiceover animation to TV, film, and commercial. Real actor coaching from real actors. Catered especially to you and your path. Anytime, anywhere. We're here to train you, to guide you, to prepare you, to book it. For more information, visit workingactorpro.com slash book it. Jesus. All right, let's move on. Let's move yeah. past college. Let's move on. Let's go into the industry, please. <laughs> All right. So we talked about the meeting. I'd like to talk about after signing, maybe a new age, maybe a new actor or an actor who hasn't been on the level of maybe the co-stars, guest stars. They've booked a few maybe theater gigs, maybe some regional stuff, maybe some short films, some indies, whatever. Um, but I want to hear the most um, the most committed mistakes. And I think a, an example, I guess, would be um, what we've heard recently, Adam and I, in, a, in an early, uh, earlier episode with Ali Beans, is auditioning for the casting uh -huh. director just to meet the casting director. And when they're offered the job, they do not take the job because they just wanted to meet the casting director. Or, yeah, I mean, submitting, your, or submitting your tape or submitting your tape the midnight before it's due when you had two weeks where they've been getting tapes the entire time. Um, there are tons of mistakes that actors make. And I know our actors would, would love to hear uh, things to avoid. What do you see so often that you'd like changed? Listen yeah, up. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I'm going to like jump on, jump on a soapbox really quick, but no, it's. He has a book. 
have my yeah, I'm like <laughs> the the absolute <laughs> most important thing to do right in for anyone in this business, honestly, and I mean that. I literally mean anyone is communicate. I thought you're going to say get your bartender's license. Okay. <laughs> Not communicate. That. Totally let, communicate. Gonna, Booking out. Optimistic. <laughs> it, it, communication is literally and I do mean literally the only thing that every single person in this business equally has control over. We, there is nothing that puts us on the same level except communication. I can't control so many things that my actors can control and vice versa. And I can't control things that producers can and casting directors and GMs, et cetera. The only thing I, I don't think anyone will see this video, but I'm about to hold up my phone. This is the only thing we all have in common. We all yep. have phones or computers or tablets like my or grandpa. whatever. Yeah. And yeah, right. so we can communicate. So for me, if I send an audition that's like in person in a week and I don't hear back to you from you for like four days, that's like, great, I've worked out my schedule. I'm confirmed. That's unacceptable. Even if it's a confirm, that's unacceptable. It should be an hour. It's, it should be it, an hour. You get it. You're checking well, your email like a business person. Well, I don't I even mean, need a. I don't even need like a confirmed appointment in an hour. But I need a. I've received this email. I'm working on it in an hour. Right. Right. I Thank need. We need. I know to a close. lot of people who are like that. Who are like, I can't give you what you want until I. And it's like. I just need to know that you're working on it. <laughs> exactly. The same way if an actor were to write me back in an hour correctly and say, great, I'm confirmed. Can you ask about this one side? I'm not sure where it ends. It's not clear. I would write back immediately and say, yes, received asking casting for this question. Right. So they yep. can have the peace of mind of then. You've going, acknowledged receipt. You know, you're and working then on it. I might not have an answer for three days the same way they might not have an answer for me for three days, right. but they know I'm working on it. Right. And. Yep. It is, it is just so, I just can't reiterate enough how important it is to be able to communicate effectively. It is, it, I like to say like, we are not a huge drop agency. We're not the people that will like drop someone after a year if nothing has happened. Hmm. What has cost people at my agency, what has gotten people dropped is poor communication. That is truly the number one wow. cause of drop at DGRW because it's like, I literally Amazing. don't have time. I literally yeah. don't have time. You're one to, of 250. Like, yeah. Do the math. There isn't enough time. Exactly. And like, we would never take on anyone who we didn't have time for and can handle. Like I could, I could take on 50 more people if they were all smart and communicated well, you know, I could, re yeah. I could successfully represent 500 people if I had the desire to. And if they were all smart and communicated well, because that's really fucking easy. Could that you imagine my job so easy being an actor and 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 focusing on your talent for years, getting repped, getting into the ballpark, and then you're getting fired because you just didn't hit reply. You just couldn't communicate. You just couldn't do this thing that has nothing to do with your talent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. It's just it's 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 wildly unacceptable. Yeah. And with that comes other things like being prepared. Right. You know, if if I'm if you're going in the room, you know, a lot of I have noticed a lot of casting directors sending notes that are like um, sending notes that are like, we don't need them to be off book. We need them to be familiar or 
we really need them to be focused on this side or or whatever it is. Like we get that this turnaround is crazy. Like I've seen a lot of notes like that, which are awesome. Great. Um, but if you don't get notes like that, you got to be prepared. Well, what do you prepared. see Matt, when you see, when you have tapes, you sent out 10 tapes or yeah. say an average agent sends out, you know, they're going to have 20 tapes come in for this little, for this indie. Um, and I'm, we're casting now. My wife and I are casting a lot now. We're getting 200 tapes and 90% of them go right in the bin because of various reasons. But a lot of them, they're just not prepared in the story. Yeah. They're not prepared with the with the lines. But is that an, a frequent thing um, that, that agents have to deal with is like, you couldn't spend a little more time on this thing, no? <laughs> I like to think it's not something I have to deal with too, too often. Yes, good. Um, that's why I said agents. And yeah, you. I, yeah, you know, I'm sure plenty of agents deal with it. And yeah, I mean, occasionally I'll get a tape from someone that I'm like, hey, we need to not another stab at this one. Like, you know. <laughs> such a, yeah, that's such a I, nice way of saying. No, we Did do you ever it, take two or three. Yeah, no, we do it all the time where we're like, hey, like this is good, but I think you know, could we get another take that's a little bit more like this? You know, we will never just say like, hey, do it over. Like, right. if we need it done over for a reason, we will say like, this is what I need you to accomplish by doing it over. Mm -hmm. It's we we don't do that all the time, but we definitely have done it, and it's usually for a very specific reason. So we'll give that very specific reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I'm of the belief that like, whether you're going in person or in a tape, like if, if something is too rehearsed and too final, then that is also a bit of a problem. Because hey, I love you, that. I love this. Well, it makes it's, I'm not a casting director or director, but I've talked to enough to know that, you know, you, while it's, it's a tough balance. That's why surprise being an actor is what hard. Because you have to prepare, you have to do your homework, you have to make a strong, committed choice. However, if it's way too rehearsed and way too, like, complete, then that's going to look like the only thing you can do with that role. Right. That's going to look like right. if you if you walk into that room and they're like, hey, you can hold your sides and you like, throw them down. You're like, no, I got this. Then that's to, to them, not everyone, but often that's the final product. What they see right there, if you put those sides down that is their final product. And like, you know, if you're going in for, uh, uh, Seymour and little shop, you walk in, you put your sides down, you do it, you give it 110%. That's that. They will either love it or hate it. And if they hate it, right. That's, that's like, that's your Seymour to them. Right. But if and, you are and, just yeah. holding the sides, you automatically look directable. Because with the sides in your hands, that is telling them, it, even if you don't look at them once, if with the sides in your hands, that's telling them this person studied, they prepared, they're about to give me their performance, and I can direct them after this because yeah. they it, are ready. It's also a reminder. I like, to, I like to use my sides when I don't even need them because it reminds the other side of the table that this is an audition. This is an audition. I wasn't paid for this. I'm going to do everything that I can do, but there's going to be, unlike theater, because there's like that sort of uh, divide there where they, in theater, they're more kind of loose in how whatever is in front of them can evolve and change. And yeah. with film and TV, generally what they see is they could shoot you tomorrow, which they probably will because it's film and TV <laughs> yeah. and they want to see what they see. But when we remind the other side of the table that this is an audition, that suspension of disbelief sort of gets a little bit 
cooler, a little bit more elastic where you see someone looking down at something for a second and then go into it. And it's like, oh yeah, this is just them just handling this very new and very adaptable uh, and not concrete piece. And I, I love how you explained it. It was like, you, you seem directable. Like you bring them back into the world of this is an audition. I'm here as a sponge to soak up what you're giving me. And for me to throw out whatever, whatever I am, I'm, um, I'm getting. And I think, yeah, when you make it too perfect and I just did a video of this with, with self tapes, I said, when you make it too perfect, then it's just too perfect. They want to see something that's a little bit imperfect, a little bit more just part of the audition. Um, I love that. I, I don't think that we've ever really actually heard that from someone before. Um, okay, so so what about self-tapes? When, when you're talking about like the logistics and, and getting that stuff, because we are in a new world here, um, do you feel that actors have a pretty good idea of how to execute a self-tape? Or do you think a lot of people need a little bit of help in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, people are getting a good sense of it because we've been doing it for so long at this point. But I do think that a lot of actors are worried so much about getting all of the technical things right that sometimes the work suffers. Right. Because I think another thing for and this goes this goes along with being prepared with actors is like, just read the instructions. Just read the instructions. and They like, all have instructions. They all have instructions. And if the instructions are vague, which some are, some are like, please tape the sides and include a slate with your name and height. If that is it, then every actor needs to, uh, every actor needs to get their default self tape setting. If there is no, um, if there is no specific instructions and what I think most actors default self tape setting should be is absolutely horizontal. Your tape should never be recorded vertical unless specifically requested, which did happen once for me. Um, for an episode of a television show, they were casting like 10 women to like be on TikTok in the show. So they right. wanted their tapes vertical, right. which makes okay. sense. Okay. Exactly. The one time. Great. Exactly. That is literally the one time I've seen a vertical requested tape. Wouldn't it be great um, if the person who was doing vertical and then finally got yelled at to go horizontal yeah. and then they had this audition and they went horizontal and they did it wrong. I, it, it, surprisingly, I got none. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, your default setting needs to be horizontal, ideally against a blank wall. And um, if you're doing film and television, I recommend from just like middle of the chest, like or under the bust up to the top of your head. Or if you're doing, um, yeah. if you're doing theater, I always say pull it down a little bit and go waist up. Um, again, you those are all those are all the default settings. If you are given specific instructions, follow them. I always say too for sending it in. My default setting: if you are not requested specific instructions, I have to repeat that like a hundred times. That for theater, edit it all into one clip. Mm -hmm. Slate song scenes all in one clip and for tv send them in separate clips and label Slate. label because what we're what are we doing we're making exactly more work for the casting director and when we make it seamless they're more welcoming for us next time right exactly exactly so i think if you are not given specific instructions those are my default settings mm -hmm. and every actor needs to develop those because yep. it's just taping at this point unfortunately has has to become second nature to people if it's not yet 
because I'll tell you right now for film and TV, it's not going anywhere, right? Anywhere. And the thing I, is, we're, we're, when we're casting something, we are going to be doing callbacks. So we're going only going to take five or ten people per role. Yeah. And when I see five people of this of this character, and then another tape comes in that's just a little wrong, or they did an accent that that they didn't give me another take where it was just natural, I'm not going to waste that spot to come back in. I'm less no. likely to no. ask for more or different. So that's it's so important to like right. give everything. That's all right give everything that you can because chances are i mean we passed on someone who just had they 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 weren't clean shaven and they mm -hmm. were going to be taking up a big spot where everybody else was exactly kind of how we were looking and that person didn't make it in and it's a stupid reason but in casting sometimes we just have to make decisions and it's like yeah well if he just did this then we would have let him in but i don't want to like waste a spot just to see him without facial hair, you know, it's not worth it to us. So, you know, taking the time and wouldn't you say, Matt, like those things, like if it's a, if it's a lawyer and your last role was a biker and you've got this thing and you want to keep the beard, I had a buddy just post, he said, take away your ego, shave guys. Like, like you, you, we're in the business of suspension of disbelief. And when you're in the middle of this room where you're trying to convince these people of fabricated authenticity, don't you want to give them everything that you can to, to, to make them believe you? you yeah. Know? I'm going to like halfway agree with you there. I'm okay. going to kind of, I'm going to kind of devil's advocate a little bit. Well, because um, I just changed my perception <laughs> before I was like, fuck it. You're an actor and you're not, they're not paying you. So go in with the beard. Who cares? I don't be like, you don't really care too much. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of both of those. Okay. Because I mean, I think in a perfect, in a perfect world, which we don't live in, in a perfect world, a big old grizzly man with a big old beard could be a hotshot lawyer. Of course. A, but if they're requesting... That's in my perfect you know, world. No, um, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm the first one to also say like, hey, like if you're cool shaving, go for it. If not, I will just send your tape and say that you're willing to shave if needed. That's true. Um, which yep. I, I always like, I always err on that side of things because I also believe that as an actor, like you shouldn't have to change your appearance for an audition. That's you, true. You have to be willing to change it for the job if they want you to. And most, and I will say even, you know, it used to be that only very specific, like period style shows like Maisel and Gilded Age, et cetera, like would say like, please let us know if actors are willing to shave, or, you know, whatever. But now even procedurals are doing it. Like it's, it, so it's very common. So I like to think that most people are like, flexible with that but a lot aren't so that's why i'm kind of like i live in right. the middle of it. there are some that i'm like if this is a of the most important audition for you yeah you might want to shave or you might want to whatever or but i i don't think any actor needs to drastically change their appearance if they don't want to for an audition change it for the it, job when, when you're getting yeah. paid well if i made the same comment regarding wardrobe would your opinion change with that where they come in in a tattered shirt or I had, we had a lawyer, actually it was, a, it was a role for a lawyer and her headshot was yeah. a very sexy lace thing. That was just like, it's not a lawyer. It's not a lawyer. And granted that wasn't the self tape, but those intentional, you know, I've come in, in, in a flannel shirt for, you know, the, the, the cop or the lawyer or whatever. And it's like, oh, sh I guess I need to really, 
give a yeah. little bit in here to there's only this we're limited in this this self Matt, you know, what you said about default settings it's really good because over the last two years and since we've been doing all this i have if i see like a cop i have a specific jacket right. that just sort of Armor. reads that you know like i have certain little things that aren't cost to me by any means they're just you know, jackets or whatever that I have, but they kind of, the eye reads it as, oh, that could be a police officer or something. Yes. But it doesn't play into cost to me, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I do think wardrobe is different for a self-tape because like, let's say that big old bearded grizzly man, if he's a hotshot lawyer, he's going to wear a suit in court. So I like that for me is I I stress when I see like fully costumed things, but if you are if you are doing the lawyer detective or whatever, a blazer, uh, you know, is is preferred or a nice jacket of some kind. Um, we should I not think, be buying scrubs for like right. Yes. Don't bring a stethoscope, yes. nurse. Don't like, bring exactly. I don't though. I, what, are you uh, on the fence about that? Matt? I'm a little on the fence about it, only because I've seen it work. Um, Meanwhile, I've, I've seen I, a firefighter come in with a hose. So yeah, like, see, I, that's different. That's ah. different. Like I, I rep an actress who is, uh, she's actually a pharmacist, but like she's been really, she has some really solid TV work, and so like when she goes in for a doctor, she has a white coat, so like she'll throw it on, and maybe it's just because I know her that it doesn't bother me and that it works for me, or like it also I'll, works for her because she's an throw exactly. that exactly like okay exactly. Get her to it kind of works. Or like, right. I have someone who will like wear, um, because trust me, she auditions for a certain medical procedure all the time. Uh, and she, if she's going in for a nurse or something like that, she'll wear like the scrub top, but mm. will wear like jeans with it. Or, you know, she's not right. like fully doing her hair back and like putting, you know, like it's, it's, let me put it this way. It's definitely something I don't say do it, but if you do it, it's not like, yikes. You know, because I do think sometimes with the procedurals in particular, I think it's different when you're doing it for like a pilot for a series reg where the role happens to be a doctor or happens to be a lawyer. But I think if you are, you know, taping for like a co-star that is on Law and Order, FBI or Blue Bloods or New Amsterdam on those things where it already is, it's given that this is the legal world. This is the medical world. I think that stuff doesn't always hurt because they... Those turnarounds are so quick. Those that those worlds have existed for so long that yeah. you know that if you book that role, you're going to be in scrubs. You know that if you book that role, you're going to be in a blazer. Right. So it doesn't really bother me as much for procedural world because, if anything, I think it sort of helps them in this time where they have you know one day to cast this role because it works in two days. I think it kind of helps in those circumstances, yeah, but I yeah, I do yeah. think when if it's a major recurring or a series regular, and they want to see your take on that world because the world is just being created, the role is just being created. I don't. If that's when I say like you don't have to do that. Like if you if you want to wear scrubs or whatever, like okay. Yeah. Or I'll always say like if it is a series regular or recurring role, and you have more than one scene, wear a scrub in the medical scene, and then mm-hmm. let's see what this person would wear when they're not in the being a doctor right you know, don't right. don't do all three scenes in scrubs just because they're a doctor <laughs> right 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 uh, and never bring a prop gun prop gun um yeah so i i do i heard that um you were talking about a client who goes into a medical drama audition many times let's talk about real quick um 
you know, Adam's been in for certain shows a large amount of time. Same thing here. And what we have to tell ourselves is like, we're getting into the room. We're getting into the room. You might audition for a, a Dick Wolf show 18 times. Yeah. What do you say to your actors who are like, again, I got this audition, like again, come on, they passed on me again. What do you tell your actors who are getting called into the room who are having a little trouble um, mm -hmm. coming to peace with progress? They just not seeing it. Um, I mean, we just have to remind them constantly that getting called in again is a good thing. It's that getting called in by the same offices again and again is a very good thing. I have someone mm -hmm. who just booked Law & Order after I'm not exaggerating, probably between 2020 and now, probably 30 tapes. Oh my God. For, yeah. Yeah. For, for various. Just in the last two years. Probably, probably close to 30 tapes, including a couple in person before COVID when, mm. <laughs> and, and they finally booked Law & Order. But. Woo! And not 30 tapes just for Law and Order, but for that office and their in many right. of their procedurals. I, mm -hmm. I really right, think right. I would say almost 30 times. And oh they finally God. booked it. Well, and, and in those other 30s, Matt, like the person there's somebody who booked it before who was supposed to book it. Maybe, maybe in those 30 times, there were people who here five years before you got into this town who are booking their 20th audition, yeah. 25th before you. And now it's your time, you know, to not get so been out of shape about the no and more focusing on your win was beating out 2000 people by just getting into a room and being one of 30 people that they're looking at. And exactly. we don't see that as actors. We just see the didn't get it. I was just say, I did a panel with a casting director um, who I don't remember what the question was, but the answer was really applied to this. They, they said, Oh, it was talking about preparedness and being prepared and coming and being prepared. The casting director said, Look, if I release a breakdown for a five-line co-star, female, nurse, age 20 to 40, any ethnicity, and this was before COVID, this was when things were in person, she was like, and keeping in mind a lot of actors were not available because theater and things, she, she said for that breakdown, female, 20s to 40s, any ethnicity, five-line co-star, she was like, I could get, she's like, a low estimate is a thousand submissions. She said, I could get a thousand submissions for that role. This is in person. Yeah. She said, I maybe. She said, if I'm lucky, I can bring 20 people in for that role. She said, it's more like 15. She said, but let's be yeah. liberal and say, like, I can bring in 20 people for that role. Wow. If if I bring it, if you are one of my 20 that I bring in and you come in that room and you fuck up, I'm thinking about the other 979 women I could have called in instead of you. And so yeah. that that was a lesson. In, no pressure. That was a lesson in preparedness. However, right. that applies to like, if she has a thousand submissions and you are one of 20 that she wants to see, what a fucking win. It's what a, a win. Like, And on the flip side, if you don't get the appointment, you are not alone. There are 980 other people that did not get that appointment. So at the low end, remember. Right. Again, you know? at, the, at the low end. So if you, you know, getting the appointment is a win. Getting, you know, asked for to retape with notes or getting a producer session or getting called back in or maybe nothing with that episode, but getting called in for another role. It's a win. We right. have a couple people on We Crashed this season, the Apple, Apple uh, yeah. Plus show. I can't even tell you how many times they auditioned. 
they they the casting directors who were incredible wanted these people on this show so bad they were trying so hard to find a spot for these people and they did but anyone in that show that i have auditioned for and mind you an eight episode series eight eight or nine something like that so yeah yeah because each episode had so many roles each each of my people on it probably did at least seven or eight auditions for one series that has nine or ten episodes so you know getting called back in i just can't reiterate to anyone who listens to this is such a win just getting called in for another thing from the same office is huge it means you didn't fuck up the first one (laughs) and they like you enough to spend time precious time with you and actors listen up it is important when those breakdowns come through look at who the casting director is yeah. And realize what they've done. And like, if you're getting called in by A.V. Kaufman, that's incredible. And keep getting called in by A.V. Kaufman. Those are amazing offices. Yeah. But be be aware of, oh, not only the show, but the offices that are calling you in a bunch. Right. right. And again, communication with your, your reps of, hey, these people really, really like me. If anything new is in the pipeline, let's try and hit that office because they keep calling me in. Yep. Um, before, before we let you go, Matt, I do want to ask you a question that is kind of weighed heavily on a lot of minds regarding co-stars and guest stars and an actor who has a handful, like say, I don't know, four or five co-star they've been in. It's the under fives and they are, uh, they've booked maybe a guest star and are transitioning to that other level. Okay. I have heard two separate things on one account. They're saying, Hey, be intentional with what you want. Assert your level and, and it will be greeted with kind of a respect, right? To say, listen, I'm only going for, for guest stars now. Um, I appreciate, you know, this, but it's one of those, I found the body and then she, and then, uh, you know, that's all I know. And that, that's just the line. I'm not looking for that anymore. I'm looking for something a little more meaty. Then I have the other side who says, no, there are co-stars that are just as good as guest stars. And it's not like a casting director is going to look at you and say, ah, they're a co-star actor. They're not a guest star actor. What is your take on being intentional with the level where you are sticking to it? Or is it kind of open where you can do whatever you want? You want to work, work. Yeah. Um, I agree always with being intentional about what you want, but I think the co-star guest star conversation is very different now than it was a few years ago because COVID because they've redesigned COVID really changed a lot because shows had to spend so much money on COVID um, so much money on, on COVID uh, tests on, you know, potential quarantines, all of this shit. So um, a lot of shows started Billing roles that were pretty meatier as co-stars because right. it was where they could save money. And it's a bummer for people who are trying to be intentional about not doing co-stars or let or whatever. Right. But I think the sort of comfort in that is that a lot of people know that. A lot of people, casting directors, producers know that. They know that, like, it's, you know, the the last two years have changed. So I think for me, what's most important is the material. Is the scene it, or scenes, you know, depending on what it is. Cause when we get a breakdown, some, some offices will put like co-star five lines, non-speaking co-star, right. whatever. Right. Or some will just write like, um, 
supporting guest or supporting or whatever. So we don't always know what the scene looks like when we submit. So we, we you know, we're the agency. We bring everything that comes through. We bring, um, you know, and if, if our client ultimately wants to pass, they want to pass and that's fine with us. We pass quickly so that casting can get the second choice up for their tape, you know? Right. Um, but is it okay, Matt, when, when, when an actor sees it's, it's not a three scene co-star, it's a, it's an under five co-star and you know what, I'm looking for something else when you pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not, it's not a, it's not going to reflect poorly on from the casting director to the agent to say, Hey, we gave this kid a chance. They're not going to come on. No. I mean, it, it depends on who you are. If you are someone with literally no TV credits, you are doing that under five audition. Oh, sure. Of course. If you, you know, if you have a, co- if you have some really solid co-star work and maybe a guest star or two, and you don't want to do an under five, that's totally fine with us. So casting Chances, doesn't look at it and say, you ungrateful. No, they, no, they might come back and say, Hey, just like a heads up, like, we're only putting co-star breakdowns. All the guest stars are going out on offer. Let us know if that changes anything for them. Or they oh. might say like, this is the final season. If they want in, it's going to be a role like this. Right. Or they will just ignore it and won't call them in for an under five again. Um, so I don't, I mean, because again, like what's, I mean, I'm not a casting director, but I think what pisses the casting director off more is when the communication is poor and an agent declines an audition for an actor the night before it's due. Whereas if we decline it right away because our actor has responded right away and said right. no, then they can get another one in. Whereas like if we decline the night before or the morning of, they don't have a chance to get another option in. And nowadays the windows between getting an audition and the due date is way, I mean, it used to be you have an appointment, it's tomorrow. And now yeah. it's, you know, on like a Monday, it's like, eh, they need it in by Thursday. If you need an extension to Friday, you know, like you have a, the window is way bigger now. So it's a asshole move to then, you know, you've wasted four days of theirs where they couldn't bring somebody else in. Exactly. Well, Matt, exactly. Matt, thank you so much for coming by. I, I want to ask, you know, usually we'll ask our actors, hey, anything you're working on, anything that we can see in, but how <laughs> about your clients? I'm sure that things are picking up. You've got some clients booking. You mentioned that a, one of yours just had a booking. Um, anything cool that we can see your clients in? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's my that's my favorite topic. I could talk about that all day long. Um, oh, good. I didn't want to put you on the spot. You're like, Shit, no, I'm like, I'm like, no one's booking anything right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I'm like, I, I'm a very good problem that I don't know how to answer this question. Um, oh, you know, cool. I just had a couple, I had a couple clients just join, um, just join the Wicked Tour as Alphaba and Nessa. So they're on the road now. If you're, if you're around there, um, nice. I have a couple. I have a couple clients shooting um, a series reg and a major recurring on the new Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies series, the musical series for Paramount Plus. Um, I feel like I have someone, if not multiple people, every week on a Dick Wolf show on FBI or Law and Order of some kind. Right. Um, yeah, I just uh, just went to a Strange Loop this week. I got one of the actors in the Strange Loop, which was incredible. Um, Going back awesome. to Girl from North Country as it comes back this week. Have a couple people there, you know. We've, Great. We've got people all over the Broadway and the tours. And so if you're seeing theater, Amazing. there's a really good chance you'll see somebody of mine. Well, that's great. Amazing. Matt, thank you so much. All yeah. those clients have a wonderful agent. And we thank you very <laughs> much for taking some time today. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me. All right. Thanks, Absolutely. Matt. This was so informative. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. You two have a good one. All right. You too. You too. Bye. Bye.
it's cool to get that take, you know? Um, yeah. I think not, not a lot of actors get that side of the business, especially coming in. And the only way that we can get that side of the business is by, by committing those atrocities. Like my first, I'll never forget the first time that I had an agent. I ha- I went into a Goodyear tire audition. I guess I did well because a day or two later, I'm driving home to Indiana, back home to see my family. And I get a call, Tommy, you have a call back tomorrow at two o'clock. And I'm like, oh, I'm going home for the weekend. Sorry. Yeah, but you audition. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm just, okay, well, I'm like, I guess that was bad. You know, that was bad. And you know what? I didn't get a call for like six, eight months after that. I wasn't dropped. But then I became a frequent booker, of course. Thank God they didn't drop me. But that those things, you never hear from the agent before you actually sign the agent. So it was wonderful that, that yeah. we got to, to chat a little bit about that. Yeah, it was very cool of him to give his time on, I'm sure, a very, very busy schedule with 250 clients. But uh, yeah, that was really informative, though. I That was great. Well, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us on another episode of Before the Break. You can find out more about our show and how to become a working actor at workingactorpro.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Before the Break Pod and Working Actor Pro. Check out Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com and follow him at that Adam DeCarlo. You can see my stuff at tommybeardmore.com. Follow me and I'm Tommy, by the way. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating and write a review if you like what you heard. Check back next week for an all new episode with an all new guest, Adam. See you next week. Adios. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.